You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. about the psychedelic furs talk 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 on the line i have rob hell yeah we're talking about the psychedelic furs <laughs> ben i'm here and kyle you lose your memory <laughs> talk 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 <laughs> is the second studio album by the english rock band the psychedelic furs it was released on the 6th of june 1981 on columbia records the producer was steve Lillywhite, and the genre is uh rock and roll and new wave i'm going to read from the book alexandria heller nicholas One of the many bands of the 1980s to successfully bridge the gap between the underground art rock scene and the commercial acclaim were the Psychedelic Furs. Their second album, Talk, 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 is their finest moment. Their influence can be traced across the spectrum with elements of their approach appearing in everything from Ryan Adams to the vocal stylings of VNV Nation. Produced by Steve Lillywhite, the album highlight is Pretty in Pink, a track that received a second lease of life in 1986 when it is featured in John Hughes' movie of the same name. Pretty in Pink encapsulates the spirit of the album with its exploration of the darker side of relationships. Quote, that whole album is anti-relationship and anti the idea of love and the very and is very pro-sex for sex sake, vocalist Richard Butler told uh, Billboard in 1997. This theme continues... Into You Like a Train, whose meaning seems clear by the title alone. (laughs) With John Ashton and Roger Morris providing solid guitar support throughout, Talk 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 introduces pop elements to the band's traditional high-energy underground rock sound. Joined by Butler's brother, Tim on bass, uh, drummer Vince Eli, and most notably Duncan Kilburn's signature saxophone. It is clear why Talk 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 gave the band their first U.S. chart entry and made them one of the most significant but underrated British rock bands of the 1980s. All right, what do we think of the psychedelic furs? Talk Talk Talk. Fantastic. (laughs) Great record. One of my favorites. All killer, no filler. Really? Yeah. I I detect a little filler. I did too. I was a Mm. little on the, I don't know. It has some really great, Strong songs, but I did have hesitation this week. Let's say that of just putting it on again and again. Okay. Uh, were you listening to the American release or the UK release? UK release. That's yeah. a problem right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, oh, no. Here we go. All the way up. Is that uh, what it did? Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I 100% 
me when I was 16 getting this uh, says, yes, you are absolutely <laughs> you're listening Rob, to it wrong. And I have been listening to this record for 25 years and <laughs> the American the American version. The American version. Um, Track one, Pretty in Pink. So when Kyle and I were young, young humans, uh, I had a uh, car that the tape player had shorted out and played things just a little bit too fast. And this was one of the records we could listen to. Um, and it sounded good. Like this I bet this sounds great, on, just a little bit on sped up. Heavy my friend, let me tell you about the song It Goes On. Oh my God. Just ever so slightly sped up from what it is right now is one of the best punk songs ever written. And we still haven't covered it, Kyle. Still have not done. We've been talking about this since we were fucking 16. I know. God damn it. Yeah. Um, uh, on the American release, it opens up with Pretty in Pink, as well it should. It is the fucking single. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know, I approached this, you know, I was like, let's let's give this old record a spin. You know, I picked this record up. Uh, have great memories of listening to it with you at like 30% higher speed, maybe. <laughs> That's a lot of percent. <laughs> That's a huge amount. It's an astonishing, yeah. That's like um, a chipmunk amount of percent. It's almost a 45. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a great record. I just, one thing, Rob, that always made me crazy, uh, the song It Goes On, which uh, I think is one of the best tracks on the record. I could never sing along with it because I, I was like, I couldn't suss out the lyrics because he's like, it goes on around, it rides around away. I was like, what? <laughs> and then I found out during research for this that he sings a different, he sings a different chorus every single time. Every fucking time, yeah. You son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, did you not take the record out and look at the sleeve? All the lyrics are right here, my friend. Yeah, I didn't do that. All right here for you. Yeah. <laughs> So wait, I want to hear why the track listing is so bad. It starts with Dumb Waiter, then it goes to okay, the Pretty I'm and sorry. Pink. What? Okay. Yeah, thank you, Birch. Uh, Dumb Waiter is a great, great intro for this record. Um, I wasn't. That's ah, a shit. But I no, seriously, like I, I, I was shocked when I saw like the original uh, track listing, and I was like, let's let's put on Dumb Waiters first. And I was like, yep, <laughs> that's the perfect track to open with. It's like. All right, I was going to talk about you too. Uh, oh no, they're opening on acting, baby. Somebody cut me off. I'm, I'm just no, no, cut, I think you're right here. on. Um, you're you're clearly on the same level because Steve Lillywhite is producer of U2, and they were compared to U2 because he did both both bands, and they uh, they got compared compared constantly because of the production of this album and of U2's album. Interesting. Uh, I think Dumbwaiter is a fine way to start. It is a bit long. Five minute opener is yeah. is is it's pretty stark. But I did appreciate that Pretty in Pink was the second song. You have to have an amazing second song, in my opinion. Yeah. Opinion. No, yeah. Like you don't want to you want to either just kill it on the with the first song, but usually a hook, a song with like a hook, you want two or three 
in my opinion. The one thing the one thing I do agree with on the British release is closing out side one with into you like a train and side two is it goes on, right? Am, am no. I correct? No. It's Mr. No. Jones. Yeah, side okay. two opens with into you like a train. Then I then okay. So on the American version, yeah. pretty in pink, side one, track one, Mr. Jones, yep. no tears, dumb waiters, she is mine. Side two, exact same as side one, into you like a tr- ex- the same as the UK, into you like a train, it goes on. But then it's followed up by so run down, I want to sleep with mm-hmm. you, and all all of this is or and nothing. Um, Your description of the UK better. track listing, all the songs that I'm really into on this album comprise side one of us track listing yeah pretty close to uh that would that that would be for me that would really? be such an awesome side but then it would feel very front-loaded for me mm-hmm. man into you like a train and into it goes on is uh, it goes on is my favorite track on the record yeah um but into you like a train is a fucking solid side no that's, that's uh, tracks one and two on one. side two man yeah, and I, I solid. get the mission statement of sex for sex's sake and like like no shame, just sex. And I also I appreciate uh, uh, Richard Butler's upfrontedness with he doesn't want to fuck you over or do any kind of mental emotional trickery. He he want, just wants sex. He just but, wants to sleep with you. But at the same time, yeah, tracks like I just want to sleep with you and into you like a oh if my twenty twenty one years are hearing them weird it just like i love sex i love sex as much as the next guy it just seems like they're i don't know it just seems kind of ham-fisted in a way to me yep i thought the How same thing it seems like there could mean? there could be a more elegant way to express those desires than than the song i just want to street sleep with you Although coming, like, I think it's more nuanced. Coming that, off though. of fucking damaged, you're 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 gonna criticize a band for being ham fisted and upfront about what they want. Get out of here. Well, well, when it comes to uh, the sexuality, a little bit maybe. I, I'd say the the lyrics are a little more enigmatic than the way that you're presenting them. The song's called "I Just Want to Sleep with You." Yeah, sure, but I mean, if you if you look at the and into you like a train, it's not really the most enigmatic of metaphors as well. Yeah, and have you I done a deep dive on the She is, is mine? It's about holding hands. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, there's the chorus and the, the title of the song, but like, I think this is <laughs> a little more nuanced than that. Does anybody think they could sing Pretty in Pink over No Tears? <laughs> there, there were a couple songs that I felt like I could sing the same lyrics from one song on another song. It was Not weird because of the chorus. No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll give you. There's some similarities between No Tears and Pretty in Pink, but it is definitely not the same song. Um, it's not the same song. And no, going back to uh, go, going back to Ben's point of the uh, like the the bluntness of the uh, the the lyrics and, and their delivery. You know, fucking twenty whatever year old Richard Butler being a bummed out buddy just. You know, being being real, talking about sex, just like uh, is that TLC? I'm just gonna say it's TLC. Um, and you know that it's fine. Like I, I don't see I, any issues with it, I, and I, I don't need elegance because without the way that he's re- representing this, I don't get pulp. And if I don't have pulp, then I don't get to. You're be a sad Rob. I'm a. I'm. I'm <laughs> 
the saddest, happiest Rob is listening to Pulp. So um, I, I, you know, th- th- this this leads towards a uh, towards something else. Um, saxophones, man. This saxophone. I like the saxophone this album. I found it's, it's out awesome. after this record, the second guitarist and the saxophone player left the band. Really. Interesting. That is, Did they join another band? Did they join Heaven Seventeen or some shit? Specials? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but Fun Boy Five. That sax is <laughs> that sax is integral, integral to this sound. Mm-hmm. Like the whole atmosphere. Until I, I did some reading about Richard Butler, honestly, just earlier today. Uh, but I, I, I like what I was. He seems like such a like a Renaissance dude. Like from oh, he's awesome. you ever listen to Love Spit Love? Uh, uh, just the song that's on the Angus soundtrack. <laughs> it's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, everything from like his, his upbringing, like uh, like his dad was uh, like anarcho-communist chemist that almost was an ambassador to the Soviet Union and then like his mom was I think like a visual artist and just like growing up in that environment then he himself like he's a visual artist he's a painter he worked in a print shop and just like it seems I don't know it it just seems like Richard Butler and maybe Tim Butler I, I know very little about Tim Butler it just seems like they're one of those dudes that is just going to be out there creating you know, and and I dig that. And as as much as I, I think some of the lyrics that these very young angsty men wrote might be a little bit ham fisted, I I do appreciate when someone is very upfront with what they want, as opposed to manipulating someone. You know, I think that there is some honor to that. Anyone else do a deep dive on those lyrics? I feel like I'm I'm picking up on some kind of nuance that. Might not be I, there. I don't know. I have not, I have not deep dived <laughs> any of these lyrics, but please look at "She Is Mine," um, which is the closer on the UK record, but it's the closer on side A on the US record. Uh, beautiful, melancholy, funny song with a mournful sax. Um, I've got a star by that one. Yeah, it's a great, mm-hmm. great song. Very. Yeah. I don't know. Tell I've, me of the lyrics, Carl. I don't have it. I don't have notes in front of me, but um, son of a bitch. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I think it's a great uh, closer for uh, side one. I think it's a great closer for the record, man. Um, and like you, I, I had version close all of this and nothing. Yeah. Mm, okay. Which, yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, but I think it's a great, it's a great closer closer, for the record because it's it's earnest, but it's a little detached. I'm just I'm just saying. I think the lyrics are a little more subtle and nuanced, but. It's interesting too because he he didn't really write the lyrics until he was forced to. He comes up with vocal melodies first, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then he comes up with, oh, the, with the lyrics. So he's 
is one. It's always interesting to hear about people's processes. Yeah. Yes. And he says he definitely, uh, for this record in particular, that he definitely uh, <clears throat> procrastinated quite a bit and uh, <laughs> got got them at the kind of at the last minute. So it's always interesting to hear. Sometimes when, you can do your best work yeah, like that. That's what he said. He said that yeah. it did help. Um, you know, being forced to uh, to the the deadline, they had already started recording and he had the deadline to uh, to get those lyrics in. Interestingly enough, uh, when some pumps went in to record uh, a little two song thing, uh, Kyle had not written one of the lyrics from one of the songs and just looked at a uh, I brought a fantasy novel. Oh. Uh, to read like when I wasn't recording and Kyle just looked at the cover of it and made up the rest of the made up all the lyrics based on that that fantasy novel was that casting casting spells yep that sure was (laughs) go figure um (laughs) but yeah man um I I I don't know I'm coming at this from a like I have this was one of the records I bought when I had my first car and like I've been listening to it consistently since i was a young kid so like uh, these are very soft ears for this record Mm -hmm. but at the same time like the songs are rad Mm -hmm. the tone is fucking rad the saxophone stuff is rad like lyrical delivery is fucking rad like Mm -hmm. everything about this record like there is a fucking feel to it that like i think like is transcendent um to to most everything like i've had a couple of drinks here guys you want to talk about I've, the weird tuning rob uh, yeah man uh, so uh, two weeks of listening to this i've been down in the basement have my cans on my little headphones and i'm playing along with my synthesizer stuff down here because it's fun to like play along with these things so like the past four records i've been playing along learning the things and this fucking record is about two to three semitones out of tune of anything and Were you listening to it on in, vinyl? No, I was listening to it on Spotify. Okay. It's impossible to play in tune to this record. Rob, were you listening it's, to it on your old tape in your old car? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, I I, I I was I was listening to it on my uh, like on my computer through Spotify. Like it's it's ever so slightly out of tune. Um That's so weird. You just you can't play along with it. And uh it made me uh made me angry and uh kind of happy, really. But, <laughs> It's not just tuned down a half. Nope, it's not. Interesting. Believe you me, I, I, I've got a chromatic keyboard in front of me here, mm-hmm. and I tried every permutation. It's just out of tune. Hmm. I was able to play along with the with Pretty in Pink, but I think that guitars are probably more forgiving than synthesizers when it comes to being in tune. I mean, good enough for punk rock is a. It's a thing. It's a thing, yeah. chord-wise, but like for yeah. just a bass note, no, like not the yeah. lines up here, which is crazy because Black Flag lined up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, X yeah. lined up. Yeah, Human League lined up. Psychedelic Fur, fur is wildly out of tune. Hmm. If Human League doesn't line up with your synth, something is way <laughs> off in the universe. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, can I read my favorite quote from a, a review of this record? Why yeah. not, Kyle? Please. Butler may come across as a brash tosser with an <laughs> overactive Bowie fixation. Yeah. 
That's it. I put into the Google search engine uh, Richard Butler 1981 because I, I like to kind of get like a visualization of like what these people look at like at the time. And some of the first pictures that come up are just like him backstage, like shooting the shit with Bowie. Yeah. Very Bowie. Very just, Roxy. Just a few handsome white dukes hanging out backstage. I'll give you a Kreisgau's take on on this record. Uh, well, number one, Kreisgau called it, and I hadn't heard it, now I can't unhear it, on the first record, which is uh, Richard Butler's just aping Johnny Rotten. Okay. Yeah. His, his vocal delivery is absolutely Johnny Rotten. Don't let Richard Butler's heartfelt snarl and then Eli's pounding pulse stun you into thinking that this merely recapulates a great formula. It's richer, mel- it's richer melodically, texturally, and emotionally. Butler's 70s to 60s mind games have evolved into the bitter double nostalgia of a reluctant romantic who half believed in 1967 and then half believes again in 1976. And if commitment gives him problems, at least he's passionate about sex. I love the first Furs album because it seemed so disposable. I love this one because it doesn't. That's a good take. A. That's a good take. I like that take. Um, Did yeah. that dude from Almost Famous write that? Uh, no, but the Gosh. dude from Almost Famous, the his uh, his mentor died listening to uh, the next record recovering. So cool. Lester Bangs died listening to Human League. Yep. <laughs> What? <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Bert. What? <laughs> you lose oh, your memory. Hold on. Hold, hold on to that. We'll use it for the next take. Okay. But yeah, uh, th- think think of this song, guys. It goes on. It's in the cans right now. Think of it going about 30% faster. 30%. Sounds, sounds awesome. And then think about that breakdown. It's so fucking good. The first time I put on, I, I when I was living in Bloomington, I found the Talking Heads album "True Stories" uh, at, at like Goodwill or something, and I took it home. And my inaugural spin on that one was accidentally on forty-five. I didn't realize it, but uh, the. But the first track on side two, uh, Love for Sale, on 45, is the first version of that song I heard. And it's still my favorite version of that song, is Love for Sale on 45. It sounds like a Devo outtake. It's so cool. So, sometimes the wrong speed just really helps the song. Oh, Have you ever listened to Jolene at 45? Or, sorry, no, listened I've listened to the, the, 40, the, 45 of, the 45 of Jolene at 33, at 33, where it just sounds yeah, like yeah, it's fantastic. the yeah. most handsome dude doing the best... Yeah, it, it, a, a beautiful voice gentleman singing a mournful song. <laughs> I'm still running this a bit through my teenage brain. Like, there's a whole lot of nostalgia involved, but all these songs are so good, man. Like, yeah. yep. it's what you get when you're 16 in 1996 and you can go to tracks and buy these albums for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard this song at like, um, you know, 30% faster clocked, but um, I, I feel like now if I heard it, I would. I'd be like, this sounds terrible. Man, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> and I'm like, is right that, now. I'm 42. Like, <laughs> you know, I think the song could be sped up a little bit. I, I, I'm, to- I'm, so? I'm, I'm vibing with the with the with the Rob's car cassette deck. Yeah, like I remember being like 
16, 17 and like hearing this at the right speed and being like, yawn, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds great. That's right. Get you, get yourself some candle red lights. <laughs> and, uh, so smoke some cigarettes and go push some, uh, fucking shopping carts around the Walmart parking lot. Thanks, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, are you alluding to the anarchist cookbook? (laughs) No, I'm just saying this is what we were doing when we were children. This album's an enjoyable listen to me. I enjoy listening to this record. I'm gonna continue to listen to this record. I get kind of, I get, I get kind of lost in the weeds still, like somewhere around side two of the UK track listing. It needs a few more songs that pop out for me. It kind of, for me becomes a sound like the sound of the psychedelic furs, yep. which is a very pleasant yep, sound to me. Yeah, it's a pleasant great. sound, yeah. but for me, like, like 70% of this album is just that sound. Yep. That's my, that's my beef. It's that 70% of this album is just the same, same song. It has the same elements. It's, it doesn't, it, it's like they do. It, it's the AC DC effect for me. It's they do a certain sound, a certain element very well. And then they just, that's it. That's what it's going to be. It's a very driving rock and roll with melodic guitars, a rolling drum and Richard Butler doing his thing. And that's great. It's, it's very good, but sometimes you want a little more just kind of variety, I guess. I I don't know what what to say. Richard Butler has a very recognizable voice, you know, like he's definitely he's got his own thing. Like when you're when you hear him singing, you know, it's him. But I also wouldn't call it the most versatile voice. Like he kind of he, he's got his range and he's got his thing that he does. And that's what and you're going to get. He wouldn't call it either. He, he would say that he is a painter that sings sometimes. <laughs> but that that might be why I'm. I'm distracted or it could just be that the players have a certain mode that they get into. I mean, it, there's something about it and maybe it is just the, the vocalizations that it just seems that the you're right. The songs meld into each other. It seems, it does seem like a whole cohesive, just you could put a, let's put it this way. If you put it on random, if you put it on shuffle, I I wouldn't necessarily know like an opener from a closer. I can say from personal experience for as long as I've been listening to this record that listening to the UK version made me want to die. That that seems crazy to me though. It's the same song. Rob, to be honest, it's not. No, I I was pretty cool with opening with that. No, you, 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 you go on, you get Rob. I was there Um, with you. <laughs> I know you were, buddy. But we're listening to "So Run Man. Down" right now, and this could have just been the opener, right? And Kinda. then go into "Pretty it's... in Pink." You know, it, that's what I'm trying to say. "Into You Like a Train" could okay. have been the first song. Tom Waiters is just such a shitty opener, man. Rob, I totally disagree, but I know. <laughs> Tune baby, dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrong. 
this and nothing does have that is the maybe one song that's that's slightly different but yeah for the most part they i feel like they have one mode and there's a lot of bands uh especially from the like 2010s like that or post post rock stuff explosions in the sky where it has a very it has a mode that they just stay in the entire time you know it just transcends and i think a lot of that comes from psychedelic furs so i don't think it's a bad thing it's just it's hard to conceptualize and judge songs that have have to be taken all into account at the same time i would say a lot of that comes from miles davis then if you're talking about one mode you true yeah yeah jazz yeah in like a conceptual you got him on his own thing rob I did. I jazzed him. <laughs> you just got jazzed, Birch. Yeah. The only the funny thing though is those are in different modes. The songs are in different modes. <laughs> Unlike I just this. got jazzed by Birch. Damn it. And they have I I feel like those are more unique in their structures from these songs. I mean, hear me out. I mean, it, it is literally, you know, it's it's a verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, like it, it, it follows the, the typical like rock elements. So I just, yeah. I don't know. I just won't put this on as much as, but I like it. I'm, I'm developing. I, I, the more I listen to it, the more I get invested in it. And so the, I guess I don't know what that, that means. Well, that, I enjoy listening to this album. I've enjoyed listening to it all week, but I also heard Wild Gift for the first time this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. I, I, I get it, fellas. I get it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm coming at this from a fucking like I was a child holding on to this record <laughs> and listening to it over and over and over and over. And I've been a man who has owned many vinyl copies of been <laughs> listening to it over and over and over. Like this is just a regular rotation record for me. This is me chopping carrots. Like to Rob. <laughs> Rob. like th- 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 this is my fucking jam. I, I think I told you um, right around the time that COVID started was when I got the last action hero uh, soundtrack CD stuck in my Jeep yeah. for nine months, and I listened to <laughs> you it and every day, and it was you and me were the same, man. Yeah, I could sing the entire soundtrack for you, even like the Def Leppard stuff. <laughs> and here's another here's another thing, fellas. Um, I when I I felt something like inside the sleeve of this record when I took it out, and I shook it out. And inside was the ticket stub for when I saw Psychedelic Furs in 2012. Oh, uh, cool. Over at Headliners. Yeah, I forgot that I just tossed it into this uh, thing. And yeah, like they were so fucking good live. And they are still good live. Yeah, they're still like, going. They're, they're still going. Before the, uh, before the pandemic hit, like they were going to be touring the world like off of a new record. Um, like they're still putting out fucking cool shit and still making like they're just fucking great. Like Richard Butler is a fucking artist. The band's fucking amazing. And like, you know, I yeah, I th- this is one of my favorite records. So I'm 
I'm going yeah, to Rob. step back from the microphone <laughs> because I love this, but I want to hear everyone else say that they love it secretly or I'm going to hate you forever. <laughs> I'm on the same boat as you, though, because I heard this record about 20 times as a teenager. Yeah. So, so, so. sounds like Rob's on the positive, Kyle's on the positive. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ben? I like listening to this. I like their. I like the psychedelic furs sound. I want to hear more of the psychedelic furs. I'm not familiar with much of their catalog. I was kind of bummed out in your intro that you were reading, Birch, when you whoever wrote it mm-hmm. considered this their like high water mark mm-hmm. because I was. I like the sound of this band and I like all the elements and I was hoping that their high watermark would be in an, like maybe another album or two. Like they just like really hit the stride with, in my opinion, like the, the, the songwriting, uh, uh, just to have, I don't know, they write better songs than I do. So who am I to judge? But I need to be real critical with now that we're in the eighties and we're talking about rock and roll bands and this is my genre. I like a lot of stuff, but I don't know if I would consider this required listening. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, as of right now, I'm on the neutral on on this album, but who knows? I could always I, I could always like revisit it and just hear a whole bunch of stuff that I missed. Yeah, but I I, I, hold I like it. Hearted, Ben. I hold heartedly. Get out of here, Rob. Think. You said you're going to step away. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm, I'm back. Get I'm back, baby. Out of here. Your button in. A, found, find a U.S. copy and just listen to it over again. So I, I I know where I can find a U.S. copy. You, you live like two miles away from me, <laughs> and we're both vaccinated. So, uh, okay, so it's a ten-track album. I have five songs starred. So that's. The the numbers speak for themselves. It's neutral. That's it. That's exactly what I was going to say. I I literally have like five stars or or it's like right in the middle there where it's I like it. I I, there's nothing wrong with it, but somehow I am not excited to put it on or put it on again. You know, most most of the time we're we're listening to these albums. We try to I mean, I try to listen to them three, maybe even four times. Um, to really let it seep in and sink in and everything. And after, you know, three, three, four listens, I, I definitely was not, you know, excited to to put it on again. I think it's a good album. I don't I don't dislike it. It's just that if I'm not excited about it and I literally my instinct, if I have to think about it, then that just means neutral. I mean, it, it it's a reaction. It's a gut reaction in I do like his delivery. I like the pulp elements of it and his sort of a meandering on the, of his, uh, the way he delivers it. But it's just, I'm going to have to do just like you, you did Kyle and like Rob did where it's just like, I'm going to have to listen to this thing a hundred times. And then by then I'll probably be singing along with every word, you know, it's, I, I think repeated listens i will i will get there but for right now just neutral yeah i totally understand that you know like i said um rob and i have been listening to this since we were teenagers and if this was just sprung on me yeah i I probably find a lot of the material kind of same sounding um 
it's a definite vibe record like those guitars uh, that saxophone um it's like a hangout record almost yeah yeah that's a good good point um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just yeah i like this record a whole bunch um I, I think it's interesting that um, Pretty in Pink was the hit five years after this came out. Well, it's because of John Hughes. Yeah, because of the movie. I know, but still, like five years later, you know, like it pay, it, know. it pays dividends to get into John Hughes's ear. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, thumbs up for me, but um, with a uh, with a caveat, you know. All right, but before we go. Uh, we need to say a special shout out to a long time fan, Paul. That's right, Paul. I know your name. What? Paul Whitaker. Paul Whitaker. Your lovely daughter, Sean, contacted us and told us that it's your birthday tomorrow. Your fucking birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday. We hope it's the best. Have fun. Many happy returns, Paul. Happy birthday, Big P. Yeah, man, you did it. Big P. Proud of you. Proud of you. All right, next time we'll be talking about the Human League. Dare. All right, thanks, y'all. I hate all of you. Four minutes. What? A phone book full of accidents. A girl to drive you.